do your job. Dad like it's your job. Do your job. With Chris Zito. Do your job. He's a dad, a radio host, a father, a speaker, dad, an actor, a dad, a comedian, a dad, a husband, a dad, and well, a dad. Yes, I am your host, Chris Zito, and I'm happy that you're tuning into this pod today. Uh, when I started this, I promised you guys in the first episode that I would have some funny episodes. I have some uh, lots of friends that are comedians and dads that I would uh, handle some of this stuff on my own, but that I would also have some real experts. And the guy that is on the pod today is definitely has the hottest credentials of anybody. And it's a great story. This is a guy who reached out to me. He was listening on uh, 96.1 SRS. Wherever you're listening to this, I will tell you that's the station that I'm on in Worcester. I'm on in Worcester, Mass., and Springfield, Mass. So the station in Worcester flips to all Christmas in December. So actually uh, in, in November and December. But he was looking for Christmas music, found that station, heard me plugging the podcast, started listening, loved it, reached out to me, and he said, Hey, uh, I am a child psychologist and I teach at Brown University. Really? Brown University? Well, how about that? And, uh, you know, if there's any way I can ever help you, of course, I reached out immediately. I said, yeah, yeah, come and decipher some of this stuff for us, you know? And so what we're going to talk about today, this conversation that you're going to hear is uh, Dr. Barry and I talking about the evolving role of dads. We talk about ourselves as fathers, our dads. I mean, you know, this goes way back. I mean, Barry is... uh, past retirement age but still working so when he talks about his dad you go way back to a time where fatherhood is pretty different than it is now and so it's a fascinating conversation he's a really smart guy that knows a lot about this stuff i was thrilled that he reached out and i think you're really going to enjoy this conversation uh, between myself and dr barry Plummer. here you go Dr. Barry Plummer, what a thrill it is to have somebody this smart on my podcast. That's very humbling. For me to hear that. <laughs> well, you come with the credentials, obviously, and and uh, I had promised my listeners when I started this that we would have, you know, they know me as a comedian and as a radio host, but I told, I promised them that we would have some comedians on, but we would also have some experts in this field, and uh, I'm thrilled that you are on talking about this because one of the things that blows my mind these days as i'm out talking to dads and i'm doing the talk dad like it's your job uh, is how different being a father is now than it was even say 40 years ago which isn't that long ago no no it's not at all reminded by um by that as i as we talked um when we talked i just thinking back as my role as a father and now as a grandfather, um, you know, how that's changed. But I also thought about my own dad. And um, so, as you know, I grew up in the in the 60s, and, mm-hmm. and that uh, seems like ancient history now in terms <laughs> of, like, what did, what did my dad do then? And he did, I think, the usual things. He played sports. We went hiking, camping sometimes. But um, mostly it was uh, hands-off. My mom raised four boys, so my dad sort of did what was done at that time. And then I think of um, I was 32 when I had my first child, and um, 
tried to help out with my wife, but child clinical psychologists lots of times spent, you know, doing things to build my career. Yeah. Um, but there are certain images and things that come up around, like I, things I, I could do over in a heartbeat that are a little comical, but also um, in reflecting on that, what would I do differently? And maybe I'd probably give less weighting to my career and more, you know, more to my kids. Uh, a lot of pressure back then to provide. Right. Uh, my uh, first wife was a nurse, still could take some time off, and then I backfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, I want to back up to you where you were talking about your dad, the stuff that he did. So now, was he around a lot, or was he working all the time? My dad was is a was a career artist and an art professor in the UMass system, and um, but he spent a lot of time traveling, and then he would do his thing, his guy thing. So if he felt like you know playing tennis with his buddies or going hunting in Maine or New Hampshire, he'd go. He would go off. Was, he would go off and take these trips. He would. He yeah. was a combat artist. We were just looking at the other day um, in Vietnam. No, no, right in the combat, but behind the scenes. So yeah. He took off from my mom for, I don't know what it was, a couple months in 1969. But there was sort of, he did that for his career that the Department of Army sent him over. But my mom, you know, meanwhile, back at the ranch raising four boys. Yeah. Um, I kind of joke about that in my stand-up act when I talk about my folks talk about how my dad worked all the time you know he used to often joke hey i only have to work half a day today 12 hours Uh, he worked long hours he worked six days a week and my mom was home with us you know with my brothers and i there were four boys and one girl was the oldest but she would she was literally chasing us around the house you know we were terrorizing her while my dad was at work so yeah it's 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 awfully different now make it up so here's the thing the quick i'm not a comedian like you are but (laughs) When my mom would be, she'd be sick or she had to, you know, very rarely wouldn't be there to make, for instance, breakfast or lunches on a school day. Right. And we would get up and we'd be like, oh, dad has to do this. It would be just the <laughs> basics. You'd get peanut butter on bread. Yeah. You'd have something you didn't want for the cereal. And it would be, just, you'd dread it because you're, you're so used to your mom. So my dad would right. try yeah. hard, but he just wasn't used to it. Mm-hmm. but that it's typical and i think that that may be true in some households but i think more and more you know i talk to so many couples where i'm like well who's the cook oh we both cook you know you just yeah. get that more yeah. and more those traditional roles have sort of fallen by the wayside and and who is the cook is it's if the wife is doing all the cooking it's only because she's a really good cook and the husband isn't. That's the way it is in my family. My wife does all the cooking, but she is like a gourmet cook, and she's a, a professional baker. She knows her way around a kitchen, you know. And I really don't. I always joke with my when I when Dad makes dinner, my kids, the baseline is mild disappointment, and it goes down from there. So, but, but that's not because of any traditional gender roles. It's just because she's a great cook. No, and I feel like at some point, um, you know, when, when we had kids, it would be sort of um, out of who was available, who was better at doing it. Mm-hmm. And so working a lot, you know, at that time, my, my wife at the time did a, a lot of the cooking, um, but I was out coaching, tried to, you know, we, we did um, as much as I could in terms of coaching soccer, mm-hmm. going to all the kids' events, swim meets, and being as involved as I could, homework, you know, with my youngest, spending extra time. Mm-hmm. And that just came from like taking turns, helping to clean the house, that yeah. was not something um, 
that I learned. My mom had the four boys help clean when we were younger. On yeah, Saturday, we, yeah. We, we had to do something. You know, if you had the short straw, you did the bathrooms. You had to clean the house, Chris. So that, that's something I picked up because my mom felt it was right. important for guys um, to do certain things to support uh, their wives and their family. To now, my mom's credit. Let me ask you this: When you're, you know, I'm just judging from the age that your uh, grown kid, that your kids are, because I know you're a grandfather now. When you, when they were young, were you able to volunteer at school at all? Because I wanted to share an experience that I had with my grown kids. I can remember because of the fact that you know, before I got into radio, I was full time comedian, and when I, so I was on the road. But when I was home, I was available during the day, so I would be volunteering at school. And I was like the only dad. And I had the experience on multiple occasions of being the only father there and almost sort of shunned. I don't think it was really a purposeful thing, but they just didn't know what to do with me. They didn't. The, the moms there didn't know what to do about me because there weren't any dads. And I, you know, I think now that's happening more. Right. Why are you here? Right. Exactly. Why aren't you at work? <laughs> I didn't. Um, I didn't have the opportunity. I mean, so that at, at the time I was on staff at a at a psychiatric teaching hospital and teaching at a medical school, so I had a lot of time. So I didn't. I didn't do that. I wasn't. Um, my wife uh, did that, but I do feel like that. That's definitely changed over the time. So when you see, you know, what my son-in-law does now, I mean, that's like equal thing. The volunteering, the, uh, as we talked earlier, he, he does more than 50%. So uh -huh. My daughter's, um, you know, full steam ahead with her career, as is he. But um, the girls love, you know, when Nick takes care of them. Yeah. So when we, but, we, we chatted a few times before this recording, before we recorded this, and you mentioned your son-in-law before, and you you sort of held him up as a great example of the modern father that we're talking about right now, because he spends yeah, so much time with his kids. How does he do that? He does. He's the gold standard. So he's um, <laughs> he is uh, an investment guy. So you know, financial advisor. Yeah. In fact, just before that, though, he spent um, after college eight years in. Um, as an attack helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps, two tours of duty, he still flies attack helicopters in the reserves. So once a month, and I'll get on the phone or do FaceTime with granddaughters and says, where's daddy's flying helicopters. <laughs> so Madam McGuire drives back, but he just puts, he's used to sort of the, the Marine Corps, you know, upper early gets the place organized. So he really supports uh, my daughter, but the girls look forward and they they sort of count. They go to they go to Nick uh, a lot. Um, they miss him a lot when he's not there. Sure. But he does, um, you know, the pickups and the drop offs and, mm -hmm. um, and share more than shares that with Katie and loves it. Yeah. And he just you're with him and you you kind of see that. So I yeah I, I look at that and say geez. Why didn't I do that? Yeah, I know. Um, well, you know, it was a different time. You know, I mean, we, we were. I was taught the same thing. I watched my father. You know, we're five kids. My mom didn't work. He was working all the time. And I can remember being a little kid thinking, well, how come dad's never, I want to see daddy. Daddy's never home. And I grew up and I had kids and I was like, oh, oh, that's why dad wasn't home. You know, somebody has to pay the mortgage and, you know, buy the groceries and all that stuff, you know. But uh, you, your son-in-law, it's interesting to hear you. I didn't realize he was this, you know, uh, a Marine combat helicopter pilot. 
and now a girl dad. And it's just such a, I don't know, it kind of warms my heart, fills my heart to hear about him. Here's a guy who uses his Marine experience. I'm assuming he's a guy that's always squared away. And he uses oh, that to, to keep his keep his schedule straight. Pardon me. When we take care of them, so um, my wife and I will take, you know, for a weekend, we'll share because they'll go off for um, like a couple's break. Yeah. So we take care of the girls. It's like a military plan when we get the email. <laughs> so both from my daughter, but from Nick. Nick fills right, in exactly. all the people. He has Literally, the itinerary. Every, you know, here's what you do every 15 minutes for mm-hmm. Ellie Neal go down here's when she gets now i wish i could say that we follow it because you know you would need <laughs> well we need just have to make sure he do, we just have, we just have to make sure he doesn't listen to this podcast so he <laughs> he'll never know what he doesn't know what hurt him but my my father-in-law yeah. is a retired lieutenant colonel in the uh from the u.s army uh, uh army ranger special forces and whenever he is visiting we get we get the same type of itinerary all the different That's stops true. and i mean it's it's planned out it is. However, if you saw um, if you saw him, you would never know that's his history. He's the gentlest guy with these girls. So there's, yeah. um, I think that for dads to have, this is sort of an evolutionary thing for dads to have permission. Number one, that they should play this role to the fullest extent and, and share it. And the second is like how to do it. How do you nurture your kids? Because that's the stereotype that I'm thankful. That, that that got blown up that dads can't you know show emotions and, and nurturance in the fullest way um this it really the same as a mom whether uh, and and kids need both either you know both parents and, and quite frankly there are two dads now in a lot of um, families i work with or two moms sure uh, we're a grandparent and a single parent there's just you know the the traditional family mom dad is right. in the minority far nowadays but dads, whether you're living there or you're, you know, you're, you're divorced and you're doing taking an active role, lots of dads now are doing the 50-50 split. Right. They're uh, living near um, their ex-wife and the mom and taking care of the kids uh, the, as much as they can within that split. So, so that's the change. I want to take advantage of having a doctor on the show, Dr. Barry Plummer. All these years, clinical psychologist, teaching, Brown University. These are impressive credentials, Barry. I, I know that you, you're very humble about it, but let's face it, uh, this you're, you're one of the smart guys. And you were talking about this idea of fathers becoming more nurturing. That's one of the things that's changing. Can you ta- speak to why that is so helpful? Why is that such a positive thing for kids growing up in a household like that or growing up with a father like that? What's the difference? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think. Thanks. Um, that's, that's, I, I interview people for a living, so I refer, that's a great compliment. Thank you. Thank you. That is a good question. I wrote that one down. It's a lead. In. <laughs> you are funny. <laughs> so the um, the idea that um, the stereotype for, for men really had to change for that to occur, mm-hmm. and then all the developmental literature in terms of like what do kids need and they learn the nurturance and they model it, not just from their mom, but from their dad in terms of how to treat other people. You know, are you overly aggressive? Are you, you know, stern and withholding? Or do you show that kind of warmth and the range of emotions 
that you want your, your child to, to show later on, boys and girls, but girls paying attention to dads just in terms of emulating, you know, what would a good partner be like in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and moms um, showing the same kind of thing. But that's shifted in, in ways that are incredibly helpful, I think, for young boys as well as young girls. Young boys having the permission to be able to express emotions more adaptively Mm-hmm. Number one, and just to you know, to get a little more academic about it, Chris, to learn how to socialize and not keep you know be so isolative. That's one of the key things mm-hmm. to get you through life, and yes, it contributes to your overall health, not just you know your fathering role, but to show it as a father the earliest years, and to model you know how you're around others, how you are not just having the, the child's mom do that, but you're showing how to be around others as well as well as nurturing and taking care of your own kids. Um, it's day in and day out. We talked about this a little yeah. while ago. Yeah. Um, it just blow in there for a long weekend and, and get that to happen. You're either you're, you're modeling it if you're living together day in and day out or whenever you're with your kids. Yes. How to take care of yourself while you're doing it. All right. Well, so we're, we, we're focusing so much during this conversation about these changing roles and the change change in men so let's look at the other side of the coin where you're it used to be the the stereotypical father and son thing well i'm gonna i have to teach this i have to teach this kid how to be a good man it seems more the emphasis now is just being a good person because all the things that we used to think of you know when i think of my father telling you do what you say you're gonna do and you have to treat other people the way you want to be treated now i'm not sure why that only applies to men. It seems like that's just being a good person. And so how do we, on the other side of the coin, how do we jive that with guys that are worried that we're losing masculinity? I think that's a conversation that guys have to have with each other, um, that that's not just something, you know, your um, the women in your life share with you and say, you know, good, I'm glad you expressed your emotions. It's nice to see the other side. The feminine side of it. I think we have to rethink those mm-hmm. um, stereotypes and role expectations. And so guys do that best with each other, and they do that. And yeah. we're not particularly good at it, Chris. So yeah. buddies getting together and going to a Celts game, for example, and yep. having some beer um, <laughs> doesn't always include like, how do you feel, Chris? Right, you know, you know yeah. how do you feel like today as a father? It's like, right. how do you feel? Now, you know, how's it going? I touch on that in the talk. I I talk I talk about this idea that like when moms get together, you can get a few moms together that have never met and they're doing something with the school and within about a half an hour or so, they know each other's life stories, but you know, when guys get together, you talk about the job, may you talk about sports, we're very superficial. So, one of the things I encourage dads to do in my talk is you know, maybe go one-on-one with someone you're close to and have a go-to guy that you can have some of these conversations with. Because I talk a lot to young fathers, and one of the things I try to let them know is, I know you're terrified because you're, yeah. you're young and you don't have any money. Here's here's the surprise. Guys in their 30s that have money also terrified when they first become a father. And, you know, we, we don't we don't learn these things from each other too easily. Yeah, because we, we um, you're, you're right, we have them. Those, those feelings, those thoughts, but we keep them to ourselves. 
And one at a time is a great way to do it. Guys together as a pack makes it even harder because you have to um, you have to feel vulnerable when you're doing that kind of thing. You yeah. do feel vulnerable, and it's easier to do it with a close buddy, um, you know, or a close woman friend who you who you know will nurture that, um, or your wife helping you along with that. I find that that's um, that's always been helpful for me. Um, my wife now is like very much can read me um, better than I read myself. That facial expression will come up and be like, okay, I know that's what you're feeling. Why is it that you can't say? So at every level, I think guys are being encouraged uh, to be more vulnerable and be more expressive. But the important thing is, is as a dad, because then you carry on the tradition, then your son or your daughters will see that uh, in a guy, but your son also sees it as that's a good, for example, have colleagues as a buddy who's a psychologist a few months ago had a, a really delicate eye surgery and you know, he's divorced lives on his own but um yeah, i knew he was worried about it a couple um and a, another good friend of ours so we go to that level which is like dude that's not a problem you know yeah. to say that we're gonna come over and you know stay overnight take care of you because there's nobody else really to, to do that immediately mm-hmm. but uh first you got the tough guy stuff and, and, um, <laughs> Right. That's the, the facade. So now the other thing that um, as you when we first spoke, as you asked me to do this, there's a quick aside. Unfortunately, being a child psychologist is you're the hardest on yourself as a as a person, but also as a father. So as a father, you're thinking this just is going to go flawlessly. Yeah. So um, my daughter yesterday said, oh, there's um, someone has invited me onto a podcast on fatherhood. She said, you're not bringing up this or that. So there was a, <laughs> my youngest. She had her concerns about what you might reveal about the yeah, family, huh? I had, a, I had knee surgery. I'm, the, I'm on the bike in the family room. Yeah. And Shannon's always very just like uh, strong-willed mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and young woman. So she didn't like the idea that um, there was something on the TV and I was going to keep on it because I'm on the bike. The next thing I know, like a boomerang whizzing in front of my face is the remote. Wow. She chucked it. <laughs> and it just scaled in front of me. And I'm looking over at her. I said, you have 10 seconds before I get off this bike to get as far. Now, I've never touched. I've never hit my kids. Right, right, but right. But I think you say and you do things like a human being you wish you could take back. Yeah. Um, well, you're just human. doesn't matter you know, the letters after your name or what you're supposed to Sure. Do. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, Barry, because I know that you're like, you're, you're, here you are, this expert, and, you know, you're still, like you said, human, making mistakes. We all make mistakes when we parent, and, you know, we're all doing the best we can. It's a heck of a thing for our kids when they get older and they realize, oh, wow, mom and dad are just people. It's particularly humbling, though, too, if you know, like, just talking to other parents, when I do this, like, yeah, you have those thoughts too, or you have those moments, mm-hmm. even with your, it's like, yeah, I think the, the first thing you are is a human being. Um, even as a clinician, um, that has to come first. But the fatherhood sh- stories, um, and I'll still share them just around like, yeah, things happen. You have the, not only the worries, but the, the frustration and sometimes angry moments because you're tired and you wish you could have done it differently. Your, your child pushes your buttons. Yeah. And so having dad model, like, here's the thing. I got angry. I said something. 
But later on, I apologized for it. Yeah. There's nothing more important for a mom, too. But for sure. a dad to be able to say that, I wish I hadn't done it that way and it's okay, as opposed to moving on. Right. It's like, okay, you know, no harm done. We're not going to talk about it. But I wish I hadn't done it that way and I'm sorry, you know, that I did. And, and then move on. Yeah, and that, that goes back yeah. to that modeling good behavior and what you hope your kids grow up to be because it teaches them. Because I've always done that, too, with my kids. You know, just as soon as I can, as soon as I realize what's happened, go to them and apologize. And it models this idea that forgiveness, giving it and receiving it, is a powerful thing that people that love each other do. And it's and it's and it becomes expected. And it certainly served me well because now my grown kids are really easy on me. So I'm really glad I modeled that behavior for them because they're they're very forgiving of their dad, which is yeah, uh, which yeah, is which which makes my life better, you know. <laughs> so, so the other piece of this too, which is a little more of a, uh, delicate, is that um, so the divorce rate is still about the same. We think it's worse or better or whatever. It's just um, it's around half. I think families are different, you know. So moms can get divorced and dad partners and um, mm. married dads can get divorced, but. Um, but the divorce rate is about the same. Mm. So I think the idea that just since we're talking about fathers, that for fathers to be obligated and and do the right thing and to show up to raise their kids, yeah. Um, whenever the divorce occurs, even if if the kids are in their teens or in the, in my case in their twenties, yeah. Um, when that happens, so then you still play that strong role. It's just harder because you're not living together you gotta yeah. you gotta figure it out but for dads uh divorced fathers to find a way to do it not just monetarily but to find a way to show up work it out um with their ex and um for the kids to see that as well well that's uh that almost sounds like foreshadowing for another episode, Barry. Uh, Dr. Barry Plummer, child psychologist and still a member of the faculty at Brown University. These are the the, the best credentials we've had on the pod so far, so I appreciate you. Yeah, I, and uh, I love the podcast. I've actually listened to uh, to all your episodes. You do a great job. I think you, you help uh, in so many ways your guests feel to, uh, to be you know, disarmed. And so good good stuff. I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you, Barry. That means that means an awful lot to me, and we're we're hoping for big things from this pod. It mean, you know, it's very, very. This is a topic that's very close to my heart. Best job I ever had was being a dad. So, thank you so much for doing this. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. So there you go, Doctor Barry Plummer, one of the smart guys. Oh, we love the smart guys. So uh, right down there in Rhode Island, right up the road. And uh, Barry, thank you so much. I, can't, I, I just, I still, I can't get over that this guy reached out to me and wanted to do our little podcast. And so hopefully that bodes well for our future. Please, uh, if you enjoy the pod, please spread the word. Word of mouth is the best way that we're going to grow this thing. If you know a dad or have a dad or are a dad, uh, just uh, lay this out for them. Send it to them. Send them a link. Uh, you'll find it, of course, on the iHeartRadio app and on uh, both stations' websites. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Tell your pals.